millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, your TV is too old, says Netflix. Disney Plus is coming. And do we need a new operating system so darn often? This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, November 8th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lang. And this is Allison Sheridan from the Podfeed Podcast Empire. Uh, And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. We were just talking about... Uh, vaccinations and uh, (laughs) Roger's plans for a 3D version of himself in the future to be on archive.org. Look for that coming soon. If you'd like more details, of course, you have to subscribe to Good Day Internet at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Come on. All right, I'm here. Tencent has enabled the ability to link a WeChat Pay account to international bank cards, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, Global Network, and JCB. Previously, a user needed a Chinese bank account to use WeChat Pay, which is the dominant way of exchanging money in China. The move hopes to tap into foreign workers and tourists. Bloomberg reports that Alibaba plans to raise up to $15 billion in a Hong Kong IPO, according to sources. The company had reportedly aimed to list on the exchange over the summer, but delayed due to pro-democracy protests in the city. Sources say the company is preparing for the required listing hearing mandated by the exchange, which could take place as early as next week. U.S. Representative Bobby Rush, who is chair of the Consumer Protection Subcommittee in Congress, wrote a letter to Comcast CEO Brian Roberts saying, It is my belief that the Comcast Corporation needs to be broken up. This is in reaction to the U.S. executive branch coming in on the side of Comcast in a discrimination lawsuit brought by the Entertainment Studios, uh, which is headed up by a man named Byron Allen. That discrimination case is appearing before the U.S. Supreme Court November 13. Allen accuses Comcast of discrimination in its decisions not to carry cable television networks from entertainment studios. Representative Rush supported Comcast's acquisition of NBC Universal back in 2009, but he's not so happy with them these days. All right, let's talk about Disney. 
Let's do it. In an interview, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that the Disney Plus streaming service will be available on Fire TV devices and Samsung and LG TVs at launch in the U.S., which is coming Tuesday, November 12th, just a few days from now. Disney Plus will also be available across Google, Apple, Microsoft, and Roku as well. Disney also announced more details about Disney Plus's international rollout with the U.K., Germany, France, Italy, and Spain getting the service on March 31st of 2020. Within the next week, Disney Plus will be available in the U.S., Canada, the Netherlands, Australia, and New Zealand. Iger also said that Disney Plus will release more than 60 original movie and TV shows, each movies and TV shows each year, and FX and Fox Searchlight will have designated homes on Hulu starting in March. Yeah, I mean, this is getting a lot of attention, don't get me wrong, but I, I think it may be lost on some people who follow this more closely like we do, how important this is. This is the streaming service that everyone knows about, and <laughs> even people who don't get Netflix are likely to try signing up for. I think for a lot of people, this will be their first streaming service. And this is the kind of thing that can then pull people into streaming when they say, oh, this is how this works. Well, that's interesting. You mean I can get other things this way? Could be the moment we point back to and say, that's when the cord cutting wave really finally had its inflection point. Is it my misinterpretation or is this sort of like Disney's game to lose? I mean, they've got everything. So they've got all the really, really cool stuff. And for some reason, they have I think they've priced it like at least half of what it should be, maybe a third of what it should cost. And so all they have to do is put it out there. I mean, we already know what's in there. It's awesome stuff. It's all the stuff we want, right? Yeah. It, I, no, I think you're right. Like this, this kind of takes out of the equation – uh, will they like the content? Well, I mean, yes, there are people who aren't going to like all the content on Disney, but man, those are few, those are a small amount of people. There's, there's something for everybody in there. There's classic Disney stuff. There's high school musical stuff. There's Marvel. There's Lucasfilm. There's national geographic. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. So it's, it's less likely that somebody's not going to find someone, something they like. And like you said, the price is pretty affordable too. Well, and I think that that's a, a big part of the strategy, right? Allison, you mentioned, you know, it seems almost underpriced. Well, that's how you get in there. You know, you get you get into Disney Plus, you get used to it, you like it. Netflix has done this over the years as well. Oh, we're raising our prices incrementally, not too much, but it's going to be a little bit more expensive. And people go, well, I, I like Netflix. So it's, you know, it's, it's, that is the better way to do this because they are on a very competitive playing field at this point. Well, and the last right, thing right, they but, took care uh, of this uh, time is, is platform too. Like if you've got a Fire TV, a Samsung TV, an LG TV, you're no longer like, wait, am I going to get this? Yeah. The answer is yes. You, you can get it if you want. But, but price-wise, if you get a free Disney account, it's like three and a half bucks a month. I mean, that's that's bananas low. That's, oh, yeah. it's, I, I don't even – I mean, that's paying for three are years you worried, in advance. You, but, are you worried they're not going to make enough money, Allison? You, you know – You could probably gosh, pay them more. <laughs> Maybe I should check into that. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's customer We just want you to survive, yeah. Disney. We're worried about you, Disney. No, I yeah. think, I mean, yes, they, they can raise the price later too, but they a lot of this is sunk cost for them. They already own the rights. They didn't have to negotiate oh, the rights for most yeah. of this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, although they're giving up revenue that they would have got if they had licensed it out to somebody else, but I think six ninety nine a month from a lot of people might make up for that. We'll see. 
Hey, I want to do a follow-up on the report yesterday. Remember we talked about the fact that people received text messages originally sent on February 14th, causing a lot of uncomfortable situations. Uh, The Verge reports that a company called Cineverse, which provides third-party networking services to mobile carriers, says that was us. A single server was to blame. That's why it didn't happen to everybody. Uh, The server failed on February 14th. And so any messages it had on it waiting to be put into the queue stayed on that server until it was brought back online November 7th, at which point, once the server was fired back up, it said, oh, wait, uh, we got some messages in the buffer. Let's let's ship them out now. Uh, They had been trapped there since February 14th. There is no explanation yet why this server went down and didn't get noticed, <laughs> which is I, I'm that's kind of the next obvious question is like, really, nobody noticed that a bunch of messages were missing and you didn't you didn't figure out that the server was offline. But that is at least the technical cause. Now, have we heard yet of the class action lawsuit of all of the relationships that broke up because people thought they did not get their Valentine's Day greeting from their Valentine? Oh well, actually, no, we haven't. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't something along those lines. Garrick uh, emailed us, uh, noting that you know there could be actual fallouts where people might bring court cases uh, because yeah, if you somebody know, has a restraining order against someone else right, and they get right. a message, you know, and and you know we're we're going on a year, even if that person didn't do something wrong, that sounds like a very strange loophole to have to explain to authorities. <laughs> yeah, really, that'll work. Well, Netflix announced it will no longer support some older TVs and Roku's starting December 1st. If you have a Samsung TV from 2010 or 2011, a Vizio TV that is four years old or older, or one of the following Roku's, Roku 2050X, 2100X, 2000C, HD Player, SD Player, XR Player, and XD Player. This is becoming a more frequent occurrence with Hulu recently dropping support for LG TVs made before 2014. Yeah, on the one hand, uh, streaming stuff is maturing, right? Because we're getting to the point uh, like we are with phones where (laughs) you can no longer get uh, updates for certain things. It was funny. When I first read this, I was like, oh, no, I have kind of an old Samsung TV. It's circa 2013, so I'm, I'm in the clear. But I also don't use the app on my TV. <laughs> I use, you know, uh, other devices that I, that I, that I plug into my TV and that I, I control them the way that I want to. So it's a principle thing. Uh, and yeah. I, I think, but the, but there are a lot of folks that do do this. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, particularly for the LG folks, because 2014 was not all that long ago when you're talking about TVs. Right, right. Well, I, I'm surprised you were able to find this, Tom, or the, the actual models, because I went to Netflix's website, and it said supported Roku models, and I clicked on it, and it did not show me what models were supported under Roku. Luckily, they had a little survey saying, did this answer your question? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, this uh, this came uh, v- via a couple of different blogs that were reported back through the BBC, uh, these model numbers. But yeah, it, it seemed like Netflix wasn't really... Uh, excited about telling everybody which stuff uh, they were going to stop supporting. They are sending a message through the app, though. So if you use the app and it's going to be deprecated, you've been getting a message. You already know. Oh, okay, Uh, good. And so what's interesting about that is a lot of people are now going to be upset about this who weren't affected because they weren't using the app. (laughs) But they're like, but I could have been, right? (laughs) Uh, And this is different than a phone. A phone not being supported is more expensive to replace. 
you can easily get like a Chromecast or a small Roku or Fire TV for you know twenty to forty bucks in most right. cases. Yeah, you're you not buying affected. a new TV. I'm not saying price. that makes it great. I think, I think I I wonder if it's just that Netflix doesn't want to spend the money on continuing to develop for older platforms, but it does show why relying on a TV's operating system isn't a long-term strategy for anybody. I don't give my TV access to the internet. Mm, don't trust it? Nope, don't trust yeah. it at all. On Wednesday, Apple IT specialist Bob Gendler found a macOS database file that locally stores info from mail and other apps to be used by Siri to make better suggestion to users. Sounds great, right? Well, a file called snippets.db was storing text from encrypted mails in an unencrypted file. So if an attacker had access to your system files and you weren't using FileVault to encrypt your entire system, then that hacker could access portions of emails that you thought were encrypted. Gendler reported the issue to Apple on July 29th, didn't receive a response until November 5th. Apple told The Verge it will address the vulnerability in a future software update. In the meantime, Apple suggests that concerned users shut off Siri's access to the Mail app in the Siri suggestions and privacy section of settings. And in macOS, Catalina, you can avoid giving apps full disk access as well. And of course, turning on FileVault would work as well. Yeah, you should, I mean, turn on FileVault. Let's let's just put that one right up uh, up front. Like, and let, I, there could be a really good reason yeah. why you don't want File Vault on. In which case, these other mitigation efforts are there. But the the easy answer is turn on Fire File Vault. Also, this is not something that most people are going to have to worry about. It, it's a very specific attack. I was curious, Allison, uh, because on on the security bits part of the Nosilicast podcast, you have nice rankings that Bart brings you. Which ranking you think Bart would give this? Um, well, it would be probably in the no fire extinguisher uh, mm-hmm. category, unnecessary, just because it is going to be pretty narrow that you have to be encrypting your email, wanting to keep that encrypted. Obviously, you have to have somebody get a hold of your machine and not be running file vault. I think if you've got encrypted mail, to, if you're running encrypted mail, you're probably running file vault, too. And if anybody tried File Vault 100 years ago when it first came out, it was a big fat pain. Don't worry about it now. You click a button and you go, okay, on with your business. You, it's no brainer. It's fast and it doesn't impact you at all. Yeah. If anything, the, the best part of this story is getting that word out there to people who might not have gotten back around to turning on File Vault on, on an older machine. Uh, so you have that encrypted de- uh, access. It, this is also, I, I always call these an example of, of good security research. A security researcher found a thing. Yeah, Apple took a little longer to respond to this than maybe they should have but it's also not yeah. super high risk uh and they are going to address it so i you know i think i think all in all this is this is good news that the the folks that you want to find these things found this one which is good I, the shocking part is that apple responded to the verge <laughs> that <laughs> apple actually spoke to the verge about it yeah that's a good point yeah yeah, I don't know how that happened. That was a slip up. The satellite startup Kepler has demonstrated delivering broadband speeds of 38 megabits per second down and 120 megabits per second up, a uh, different kind of asynchronous internet, to a German icebreaker sea vessel stationed in the Arctic, serving as a mobile lab for the Mosaic Research Expedition using two low Earth orbit nanosatellites that are on a polar orbital trajectory, Kepler was able to allow researchers in the Mosaic team to transfer large amounts of data to shore-based research stations from the ship. So this wasn't just a proof of concept. They were actually transferring data, something they really needed to be able to do. The speeds are a significant jump over spotty and slower traditional satellite-based broadband previously used 
for this kind of situation. Uh, and both poles are going to benefit. Uh, we had Ariel Waldman on not too long ago talking about the Antarctic station and the, the slow internet access that they have. This will help improve that for future people going into Antarctica as well. That is crazy cool. And, and yeah, and, 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 and it really has been very limited. As, as you mentioned, Tom, when Ariel uh, was, was visiting us a couple of weeks ago, you know, she, she had a wonderful time, but said, you know, the internet issue is, is it's, it's tough. It's tough for scientists. It's tough for people who are in the media. It's tough for, you know, anybody who's, who's in the, in the region. This is great. Uh, and uh, since I saw a, a, a video of a beluga whale plane fetch with people off a boat in the Arctic yesterday on the internet, and I put it on Twitter, it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I now want to go to the Arctic because I know my internet's going to be a little bit better. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I don't think enough people know that, uh, you know, SpaceX gets all the attention for this. And maybe, you know, that Jeff Bezos is also involved in a project like this. But there are multiple projects and, and Kepler is one of them uh, to, to provide this kind of blanketed Internet. And I wouldn't be too shocked if within the next five years, you know, the ability or at least the capability of getting decent broadband everywhere on the planet just like you can, if you if you have a satellite phone, you can get a phone connection almost anywhere on the planet. Uh, just cost you money, and you have to have the equipment. We may be getting there with internet. Right? With, so Kepler with high is, speed Kepler's internet. Kepler's part of NASA. Is that right? Uh, no, this is not that. Kepler. There, there's other Kepler. Okay, because yeah, because I did a search for Kepler just now because I hadn't actually heard of him. Oh, there's the Kepler Space Telescope. Is exactly. what I'm looking at. That's the one that's part of NASA. Um, okay. Okay. So this is a, you know, there's also uh, Brian Brushwood's dog is named Kepler. Don't because that, you know, I know, you know, about yeah, dogs not, who are named after technology. products. Brian, Brian Brushwood's dog, <laughs> while a great dog, did not provide satellite Internet at these. Yes, <laughs> but he could have. <laughs> he, really he, he may. He yeah, may in the future. So. You know? Yeah. Right. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. 
From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Allison uh, and I were talking about what to talk about on today's show. And, and Allison, you were uh, having a conversation with someone about annual operating system updates and how whether it's your phone, Android or iOS, whether it's your desktop, Windows or Mac OS, when a new operating system update comes, it's it's totally expected that everyone is going to complain about stuff. And the only question is, is the amount of complaining actually more this time or not? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was uh, Ray Robertson and I were talking about this because I'm I'm the kind of person who loves the new shiny. I will. I remember back in the BlackBerry days, loading three applications onto my BlackBerry at a at a stoplight once. I, I just I just love apps and I love OSs and I love installing everything. But the latest uh, updates from Apple, the latest operating systems, have been just a, a little tiny bit rocky for me. Just run into a smidge of problems here and there. And he started questioning: Do we really need to have annual big? giant operating system updates. Is that really something that we need? I mean, we're being fed it because we want it, because we want the new shiny, but is that actually disruptive or helpful? Uh, would we learn more about the operating system, what it could do if it was just stable for two years? I mean, that was kind of his question. And, and, and just to be clear to everybody listening, we are not talking about security updates. Of course, we want security updates on a regular schedule, patching security vulnerabilities as fast as possible. That that That's fine. That's not what's yes. at issue here. Uh, what we're talking about is, hey, that uh, new May 2019 Windows update is here. Uh, better upgrade to get the newest features or Mac OS Catalina is here. Better upgrade to get the newest features, iOS 13, you know, Android 10, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would say my, my, gut, my gut reaction to that is, well, then don't. You don't have to. Uh, and I'm sitting here with a machine to my left that's on Mac OS Catalina, a Windows machine there that is on the May 2019 update, a Mac OS in front of me that I'm streaming most of my stuff from that's on High Sierra. And the reason that mm. one's on High Sierra is that it worked from the moment it first got High Sierra. I didn't want to mess with it. So I have not updated it. It still gets security patches, right? If we get to a point where they're like, yeah, we can't give security patches to that anymore, then we've got a problem. But you you don't need to update to the new Shiny if you don't want to. Well, you know, our mutual friend Dorothy does that. She was just telling me today that she upgrades every other Mac operating system. Mm. So, uh, but she thinks she's probably going to do two in a row this time, which I, I'm not sure I understand since Catalina has been uh, just a wee bit rough around the edges here. Uh, the, the thing I think about is I really, I'm totally bought in. Yes, every other year. Don't give us these big feature updates every year because you obviously can't do it in any kind of a quality way whatsoever. But I want to pick and choose which updates actually were the ones I wanted. Like if they didn't give me continuity, for example, the ability to uh, do a copy on my Mac and paste over onto my iPad, that sort of thing, or take photos with my phone that go instantly into a document on my on my Mac. I, I live on that stuff. I love that stuff. So not that update. Uh, okay, dark mode. Eh, I don't care about dark mode. Dark modes. Dark modes for suckers, uh, as Adam Eggs from Tidbit says. Well, so, I am a sucker that. then, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it depends. But that's the point, right, is the ones that are, are really important for uh, for Sarah are not the ones that are important for me. 
Right. And the ones that are important for me are not the ones that are important for you. So which ones would we not have? Well, I, I mean, that's it's the cost benefit analysis and it's in your hands, right? I think it's interesting because I think about it from the perspective of an IT administrator. And I know we have tons of USIS admins out there. And the fact that we have problems where companies were still running on XP, where companies are still running on Windows 7 is because of the other end of this, the extreme end of like, yeah, this works and I'm messing with it. Uh, I don't care if you get some new fun feature. I want to use what's stable and works with our internet and runs everything and is bulletproof. And that's kind of how I feel about my production machine myself. On the yeah, other this hand, is not something that you're going to upgrade to Catalina because you're like, nope, Yeah, uh, too many things are going to break. And I can attest that they will. Uh, at the, <laughs> and they did for me when I upgraded to Catalina. But I'm kind of with you, Allison. I, I want the newest version of everything, you know, because it's like, you know, if, it, if it's a security update, that's one thing. But if it's sort of new features and new bells and whistles that I don't really need, but at least I can play around with, I always do want that. But the more incremental updates one would think would be just kind of at least faster to upgrade all the time, update all the time. Not always the case. And for work like what we do, you can't have your computer down for 45 minutes, depending on the time of day. I mean, it'll ruin everything. So I kind of find that sometimes I wish I was back at the yearly update type situation, which <laughs> is a bad idea. And I know that, but uh, it would, it would, it would require me to have to go pace around the living room watching, you know, my progress bar, all, all that much less. So one of the things they've done, at least in the Apple world, that makes this even harder is um, you pretty much have to upgrade when iOS comes out. I mean, the nag level and you can't just stay back a version. And it's very, you, have very to, you have to work harder at it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of effort. So I went to iOS 13, which <clears throat> dumpster fire has uh, been a big problem for me, especially on the iPad. And I did not heed the warning that said, if you do this update and you say upgrade to my reminders, it's going to break reminders over on your Mac. I mean, it was super obvious. It was in big letters. I think they were red. They were like 28 point font. And I went, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. And I clicked through and I lost reminders on my Mac. Well, until I went to Catalina, I didn't have reminders anymore. And I use reminders all the time. So I actually did go to Catalina on my production machine. Now, my life does not come to an end. I mean, mentally, I would come to an end if it didn't work. But I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't miss a house payment if, if it didn't work. Sure. Um, so they, they've tied them together enough now that you sort of got to keep moving with the Mac operating system. And I don't know that you have that problem on Windows. I wonder if it wouldn't be better, uh, it, given the amount of people who have problems with both the May 2019 update, certainly with the October, which was really November update of 2018 on Windows and the Catalina, if companies, you know, lightened off the accelerator, maybe it, maybe or maybe it, we go back to longer release between. Remember, we used to go like three years with a service pack between Windows uh, versions. So maybe it doesn't have to go that far, but maybe fewer features. Maybe they're trying to push too many features into these updates. I understand that they want to keep their operating systems seeming fresh. They want to make people feel like when they buy a new computer that they're getting new cool things that they didn't have on their old computer if they didn't upgrade to the brand new version of the operating system. I understand that Apple has a different way of doing it and wanting to make you feel like 
like you always have a new thing from them because you're updating the operating system. But it is definitely in both cases, Windows and Mac, starting to cause people to get frustrated because every time you upgrade an operating system, things are not going to work. And it seems like more things are not working each time in, in both yeah, camps. So Cat- Catalina, people lost mail. And with the latest, uh, well, one of those two updates to uh, to Windows, people lost data. So these these aren't minor inconveniences. Those are those are catastrophic kind of problems. They're not just oh, you know, my driver for my scanner doesn't work anymore right. kind of problems. Yeah. They're they're getting big. They're getting getting worse. And I I, I had to uh, phone Chris Ashley to find out exactly what had gone on with Windows. And it was kind of interesting because he says, well, Microsoft doesn't do big annual updates. Oh, sure. They have the fall and the spring update. And yeah, those were catastrophic. And I said, OK, so Apple and Windows and, and Microsoft get there through totally different paths, but they end up in the same place. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, Microsoft it's, just breaks it up into two halves of the year. Uh, Android, iOS and, and Mac OS all do it once a year. And they're, you know, right. all of them will add features from time to time in an auth update. Uh, in fact, Ma- Apple has done that quite a bit more this time around with delaying features and not adding them until a later update, which implies to me that they're just not ready to do these things. Maybe maybe there's just a better way of packaging them up than forcing them into a yearly update. I don't know. They were also in an interesting position, and maybe this is part of what drives it every year, is they were coming out with the iPhone 11 with some amazing new camera features. And so they had to have the operating system come out at the same time as the phone, or else you would have gotten the phone and gone, well, wait a minute, what did I pay for this for? It didn't do anything. So that forces the iOS update. The iOS update is over here forcing the Catalina update, and everybody goes when the whistle blows. And by the way, we got another, yet another update to iOS 13 today. Yeah, no, I saw. I saw. I, I, the the one thing I Every haven't really had problems with the OS updates from from Apple this time around, but I have had a problem with keeping up with them because I'm like, well, really, I got to reboot <laughs> this machine again? My gosh! Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a lot. Audio hijack that's for me sick. yesterday. Ooh, yikes! Yeah, that that's catastrophic. Well, well, you know who hijack. doesn't break anything? That would be the people in our subreddit. They only contribute good updates to our lives. So you can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. You can also join in the conversation in our Discord 24-7. Good, lively Discord conversations happening all the time. You can join by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's check out the mailbag. Got a good one from Nathaniel, who also sent us a video that kind of goes with the with the email for all you video folks. Nathaniel said, we received a catalog, paper catalog, in the mail from Amazon today for holiday shopping. Looks like they're trying to revive the experience of kids flipping through that catalog, circling their dream items, taping pages to the fridge, arguing about which toy is best. Nathaniel says, I think it's a great idea, especially with sticker pages and a built-in wish list. Also, he notes that his cat, Grizzly, seemed curious, but not enough to get off the couch. Yeah, he said it's a video uh, of Grizzly uh, reviewing uh, the Amazon catalog. Grizzly Grizzly was purring and kind of chirping, so she seems okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, I, I don't want any. I don't want Amazon on pay, like. Do, do not send back. me anything in the mail. Are they going to look back on the Amazon catalog the way we look back on the JCPenney wish list and the Sears catalog and all that? I don't know. I don't know. About I that. I just don't, I don't feel like they even know what that. It's sort of. It's almost for parents or adults, mm. I suppose. You know, I like a catalog. You no, know, I flip through my West Elms and my, you know, the various stuff that comes to me, even though I never signed up for it kind of thing. Don't think I want anything from Amazon, though. It just feels a little backwards. 
There is a, a thing in the, the video that Grizzly sent us uh, where you can t- write out the things that you want. Uh, so it seems like it's aimed at kids for that reason. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then Comey wrote in and said, I'm worried about privacy in general, but Facebook, Google, and Amazon are not my biggest concern. I care about net neutrality as much as privacy, and I'm more worried the ISP's DNS servers know all the sites we visit. That's why I use other DNS, and I'm bothered by the monopoly and lack of ISP choices. I wonder why we don't hear news about net neutrality anymore. Uh one of the reasons we don't hear about net neutrality anymore is because there's not a government fight for it. That's been settled by the FCC for the time being. The court cases are not maturing. So as soon as some of these court cases come to decisions, we'll start to hear more about that. Uh, and there are still a few of them that haven't been decided. And there haven't been violations yet. So as soon as somebody's caught doing something that would have violated net neutrality that's legal now, that'll become a big story. But we're kind of in a period where none of that is happening. So that's that's why we're not hearing a lot about it. Shout out to our patrons. I would have just said there isn't any net neutrality would have been my answer to that. Well, but that would be news, right? If there were violations about net neutrality, that would you don't think BuzzFeed would be you know bringing in the clicks on that every day? Vice, Motherboard, they'd all be doing that. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Shout out to our patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Rushon Brantley, Adam Carr, and Andy Beach. Now, Lem Peralta is usually here on Friday Illustrating. He couldn't be here today, but he sent us this amazing drawing featuring Sarah, myself, and Tech Holiday Fantasies. Uh, it's also the art for our holiday greeting card. So if you uh, take a look at it, you see things like, you know, BuzzFeed, no longer chasing the clicks or, uh, you know, Google respects your <laughs> yeah. privacy, gives up advertising invasiveness. It's a uh, real wish list, isn't yeah. it? Uh, if you want to have us mail you this holiday card uh, and we will sign with a little thing on it, uh, you got to sign up as a Patreon between now and November 28th. Give us your mailing address and we'll send you this art on a postcard. Uh, there are also still slots to get your name on, on Len's DTNS Rise of Skywalker-inspired poster. You have until November 15th to get your name in the credits, so get your order in at LenPeraltaStore.com for that. And if you're like, wait, I need holiday cards for myself, Len does those too. You can commission him to make art for your holiday card. That's also available at LenPeraltaStore.com. Thanks to Allison Sheridan for being with us this fine Friday. Allison, where can people keep up with the rest of your work? Well, the best place to go is podfeet.com, and I'm super excited about I just had uh, Ken Case, the CEO of Omni Group, on Chit Chat Across the Pond, and it was a fantastic interview. So nerdy, you can't even believe it. Uh, this guy went to, to college when he was 13 years old, wow. and we take it up through his work on BitNet, which I hadn't even heard of BitNet, and uh, how he ended up working for Next Computers before it uh, got bought back by Apple okay. and Steve Jobs and all this kind of crazy stuff. And how he wrote uh, the Omni web browser that Steve Jobs used. It's, it's a fantastic, incredibly nerdy interview, and it was absolutely fun. Podfeet.com. Go check it out. Now, folks, would you like to be right here sitting with us chatting about tech? Uh, you can. Tell us why you would make a good listener co-host and why you think other listeners would like hearing your perspective. We record this episode Tuesday, November 26th, between 3 and 4 p.m. Pacific. It'll air during December. But if you're available Tuesday, November 22nd, between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern, that's 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific, email us at feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com by Sunday, November 17th, by a week from Sunday, 
with the subject line listener co-host and we will be selecting people to be part of the show Woohoo! Can't wait to talk to y'all. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2130 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're off for the holiday Monday here in the U.S., but we'll be back Tuesday with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.